0: Hope. <laughs> hope you turn down the microphone. Thank you, Marlo, for reading that scripture. I can't think of another portion of scripture that is greater to give us hope than that portion there in Romans this morning, uh, we won't be going through that portion of Scripture. We just read it, and uh, I trust that you will be reading it over and over. And uh, But I, this morning, I've outlined a study, a uh, little message, um, some aspects of hope. And you have a handout, and if you don't have this handout, raise your hand and somebody will give you a handout. And if you'll notice on the handout, it has... Seven points. Over here, this brother needs, needs a handout. <laughs> I knew he needed a handout when I saw him the other day on the street. <laughs> Felipe saw this ahead of time and saw the seven points and began to look at his watch and he knows that <clears throat> most preachers, when they have three points in a poem, go about an hour and a half, and so <laughs> seven points is going to have to take us a while. I just want to tell you this. I ha- have been so excited this last week or two, perusing through the Bible, looking up all the ideas and and mentioning of hope in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and uh I've actually uh, kind of through my thinking. I've filtered it down to seven. <laughs> you can just go on and on in the scripture studying about hope. Uh, it's all. It's th- this is a this is a blessed thing here. And Chuck, I appreciate this um, thing. And Patty and I will take up that challenge. And and uh, but as you look at the book of Genesis in those first uh, eleven chapters, you're going, "Oh my goodness, where is the hope?" And then it begins to come. There's a little mention of it right from the beginning about um, God will bruise the head of the serpent and eventually that takes place in the person of Jesus Christ when he comes down for us. But then the hope is given to Israel uh, through Abraham. We'll talk a little bit about that. Then we'll look at these other aspects of hope. Father God, thank you for... The hope that you built within us the opportunity the ability for humans to hope and lord help us to understand our salvation in the light of the fact that it is a faith salvation it is a salvation that is sure but it is still not fully realized so lord help us to understand that and help us to Be encouraged by the fact that you have built within the human race the idea of hope and the opportunity to hope. Help us to understand a little better this morning in Christ's name. Amen. As you look at your sheet there, you can see hope. uh, Elpizo in the Greek is pronounced Elpezo. Elpezo. It's used (laughs) over a hundred times in the New Testament. The idea is to cherish a desire with anticipation. To cherish a desire with anticipation, an active, patient expectation. For a country boy like myself, a light at the end of the tunnel. I think that's the simplest way to say it. Hope is a light at the end of the tunnel. And thank you for um, Weston, for in your bulletin, the picture. The light at the end of the tunnel. That's hope. Hope. That drives us in so many wonderful ways in our life, Uh, that hope. Israel's hope, the the Messiah in a manger, we celebrate at this time of year. That idea that they were going to have a Messiah, he was going to eventually come. I've listed a few verses, Jeremiah 4, 7. This is what Jeremiah was crying out to God. Although our sins testify against us, O Lord, do something for the sake of your name, for our backsliding is great, for we have sinned against you, O hope of Israel, its Savior in time of distress. Through the Old Testament, that is acknowledged that God, the Messiah, would be the hope of Israel. Many of them thought just in a secular way, in a in a in a, I shouldn't say secular, but in a, just an earthly way of a kingdom on earth. Of course, it turned out to be more than that. In Acts chapter 26, verses 6 through 8, Agrippa is being addressed by Paul. And here's what Paul says to him. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our fathers that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. O king, it is because of this hope the Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? Paul has been arrested. He's been accused of blasphemy and and profaning uh, the Jewish temple and the, and, um, the law and he's defending that he ends up in Rome and here he's not quite to Herod yet in Acts chapter twenty-eight twenty, 20 but he's called in the leading Jews and he says for this reason I have asked to see you and talk with you it is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain and so he goes on to make a defense about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and he said that is the hope of Israel now the question I posed at the bottom of that was, was there hope, why was there hope not just wishful thinking? In fact, let me go back up to, on, the, on your handout and just, we'll read what wishful thinking is. Wishful thinking, decision-making and the formation of beliefs based on what might be pleasing to imagine rather than on evidence, rationality, or reality is a product of resolving conflicts between belief and desire. I know I'm broke. I know I'm behind in my payments. I I know that I need more money. And I think I'll buy a lottery ticket. (laughs) Wishful thinking. That is not something based on rationality. It's not... uh, it's not good sense. That, that's wishful thinking. That's not hope. Hope is based on something that there's some rationality, some objectivity to it. And of course, in our case, in, we claim that to be the Word of God. So why was their hope not just wishful thinking? Because their hope was what? It was based on the promises of Scripture. It starts out there in, in Genesis of the first chapter, second chapter, and then in, in 12 it's picked up with a promise to Abraham, and then all through the Old Testament, the promises that there will be a Messiah. And then that comes through. You know, uh, we often think of the Jewish nation as completely missing the boat. Well, if you think of the whole nation as a whole, yes, that's true. But I'm a kind of an optimistic sort of a fellow and I like to think about the ones that didn't miss that hope. They saw it coming. Their heart was right with the Lord and when when the baby was born they recognized him. When when he starts doing his ministry, they join up with him and then after the crucifixion they're in 100%. They're all in. I like to think about the disciples. They were Jews that didn't miss the hope. They didn't miss the Messiah the 120 in the in the room at Pentecost, they were believers. They they were there waiting for the Holy Spirit for what what Jesus had promised them. How about the 2,000 when Peter gets up to speak in the day of Pentecost? 2,000 souls come to Christ. Those were Jewish people, and they took that message out into their known world. And Paul and and Barnabas and other missionaries on their journeys took that message out, and to, oftentimes it was into the synagogues, it was Jewish people who responded. Now sure, the majority didn't, but there were thousands that did. And there are brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. They saw the hope of Israel in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And I tell you what, I want to, re- I want to rejoice with that. I want to rejoice for those who come to Christ and and even though from backgrounds that may not seem like it had appointed them even in the right direction they come to Christ the hope of Israel it's fantastic let's look at the idea of no hope no hope hopeless without hope lost all hope dejected demoralized despairing despondent downhearted depressed no energy no courage no light at the end of the tunnel That's a sad place to be. And I know for many, we've been there. There's been times in our lives where it just seemed like hope was lost. Hope was gone. Or if there was a light at the tunnel, it was so faint. It was so very faint. And it does terrible things to the the life and to the body to have no hope. I first was exposed to the fact that in uh, biblical counseling that a nervous breakdown was the idea that a person loses hope hope in what? Hope in the way to cope with the life circumstances that they're in. Everything that they've believed or tried and worked at or whatever it is comes to naught and it falls apart and they're left hopeless. They're left with a breakdown. They're left, oftentimes, with no energy at all. Can't get out of bed. Can't face tomorrow, but can't even face this afternoon. A nervous breakdown, no hope. Now, I don't know if you're following him at all, and I'll throw this out for you, but if you follow the story of Kanye West, he tells about a time in France when he had a nervous breakdown billionaire upon billionaire seemingly has everything the world would offer and he cries out in his time of utterly despair he had no hope it all came crashing down he couldn't fix it even with all his money his wife had just been robbed things that he had planned had all gone south, We're going south. And he said, I was radically saved. I was radically saved. You see, sometimes no hope is a good thing. When we come to the end of our plans, when we come to the end of us being king, that's a good thing. You know, it, it happens to us in all can happen to us in any stage of life. It's interesting. I got thinking about this this past week. When, Jerry, did you lose hope in your life that you would be in heaven? When did you lose hope that you could have a relationship with God and that God loved you and you could have fellowship and communion with him? When did you lose that hope? When did you come to the end of yourself? interesting enough, at about seven or eight years old. I had heard a message on on sin and and, um, the fact that our sin would separate us from God forever. And that if we wanted that relationship with God and wanted to be able to fellowship with Him and Him instruct us and lead us, we would have to give our life over to Christ. So you can come to the end of your hope as a little kid. Or you can grit your teeth and go life your own way. And then come the end of your hope a little later on in life. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to take the time to hear it all. Our messages of hope, when it didn't work out, when those plans, when those ideas... Didn't work out. The question I placed then, well, that, let me read some of that scripture that I put there for no hope. Job twenty seven eight. For what hope has the godless when he's cut off, when God takes away his life? <laughs> Where's your hope when you're dead? Job says. First Thessalonians four thirteen. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about hope. Those that are fall asleep, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope, no hope. Ephesians 2.12, remember at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in the Israel and the foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in this world. Some years back, I had a phone call and it was a family that had known my dad and it was a ranching family out of this area but they had known my dad and they knew that I was in the ministry and their dad had died and they wanted a funeral wanted to know if I would do a funeral for them and before I could say yes because I always start out with yes unless I'm gonna be out of town or something just can't do it before I could say yes the gentleman said however we want no Religion. No religion. Well, I took a deep breath and explained to him that I don't do funerals without religion. I don't do funerals without hope. And he said, thank you very much, and hung up. No hope. No hope. And sometimes you do funerals where, you, where you're pretty sure that the person that is in the casket probably didn't have hope of eternal life. But at least you can share with those that are there that there is hope. Because the proverb says, as long as you, the body has breath, there is hope. As long as the body has breath, there is hope. It's a sad thing to be without hope. And the question there at the bottom is, have you ever come to the end of yourself? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're still saying, you know what, this God thing sounds pretty good and I like these people and they're pretty nice and I like this fellowship and it's pretty good. But to totally take this life and put it in the hands of this God, I'm not ready to do. And I want to tell you something, my dad fought that until he was in his 60s. So I I understand people even going to church and singing and maybe even praying and doing other things. But in the back of their mind, they're saying, not this guy. I'm not giving in to that Jesus. I'm not going to confess my sins to him. I I am not going to submit my life to him. I still think I can run it. Okay. well have some hope throw your life in the hands of Jesus and you will have some hope now the next thing I said was false hope false hope can be worse than no hope have you ever heard this you know what that religion and stuff's okay but you know what and it, when it comes me dying they're just going to put me in the grave they throw dirt in my face and it's just going to decay and that's all there is to it that's all there is to this life you know what that's a false hope you're wrong about that the person thinks that way he's wrong taking your last breath on this earth is after that's the judgment <laughs> you have put your hope in the wrong thing you put your hope in escaping God by dying. That doesn't work that way. There's other things you can put your trust in. Job 31, 24 says, If I put my trust in gold or said to pure gold, you are my security. So we can, we can put our hope in. Hope is a wonderful thing. I'm going to look at it here under temporal hope. But hope's a wonderful thing. But you can put it in the wrong thing you can place it in the wrong place. Proverbs says, hope placed in mortals, die with them. Hope placed in mortals, die with them. (laughs) Not gonna go into politics, not gonna do it. But if your hope is based on politics, May be in the wrong place. Hope placed in mortals die with them. All the promise of their power comes to nothing, and I think it's in the New American Standard that says the the power of men will fail, the the strength of of the man will fail. So you can put you can put your hope in your own abilities, in your own strength. Or you can put it in, in, in having somebody come and is going to rescue your community or rescue your home or it's going to rescue your nation. Now, well, that's okay. It, 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 it's okay to hope for some things like that. But your hope better ultimately be in Jesus Christ. What are you trusting? What are you trusting in that may not be worth your confidence? I think that's a good thing to, to think about. What am I trusting in that may not be worth my confidence? That could be in totally spiritual things or it could be in some worldly things that you can think about. Hmm, I need to rethink some things here. Sometimes we put our hope in people and lets us down. And it's sad and it's bitter it's hard, but how much trust, how much hope, how much of our life is ordered by those around us or is it ordered by our deep and abiding and trusting faith in Christ? Temporal hope, number four. See, I'm already to number four. Okay, already. Temporal hope, there are many good things to hope for. There are wonderful things to hope for. And hope is a wonderful motivation, energy in our life. Awesome. And hope for a good family. We can can hope that we can get Daniel home, and and we hope and pray, and he is here. We can place our hope in wonderful things. We can hope that I have a better ministry. Hope I have opportunities to share Christ. Hope, Hope I have a good vacation. I want to plan, and I hope for that. Hope I had a good husband. Hope I had a good wife. Hope I had a better job. Hope gives us energy, and hope gives us courage. I'll mention this one little thing, and I probably shouldn't mention it because I'm not sure I'm going to get his name right, but you can look it up. A man in Washington, as a young man, was out with his brother, uh, Mortimer, Mortimer, I don't know his name, He's out with his brother, he had a car wreck, they were both drunk, and they got out, and they were giddy, nobody was hurt. They were laughing, and they were walking, they were on the pavement, but they knocked down a telephone pole, his left arm hit the, hit the electric line, and it sent him to his knees, and he ended up with only one arm left. Two legs gone, one arm. He has his right arm. Went to the hospital and eventually amputated his arm's legs and left him the one arm. And he went right back. As soon as he got out, he went right back to drinking and drugs. Went right back to where I was. Until we met a gal who said, you know, I, you're pretty cool. I kind of like you. You need to come to church with me. And he said, she brought me to church and I sat down in the back row very reluctantly. I had an attitude. And he said, I found out something that day that god is so powerful he can even reach the back row of a church (laughs) so it doesn't do you any good being way back there and he gave his life to christ and in his testimony he said when i did that i had hope and hope gave me courage married the gal three kids pastor speaks all over the place And one, some years back, he decided, what would it be like if my family and I peddled across America from Washington to the Statue of Liberty? (laughs) Yeah, a one-armed cycle rider. Yeah, that that seems a little, has this... um, he, call, he says, in I've watched this video, and he, says, he calls it in the video, he says, I call it a hand cycle, not a tricycle, and I'm very sensitive about that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Pedaled across America with his family. Yeah, He speaks at prisons, he speaks at camps, he speaks, hope in Christ. The circumstances de- define who he was was or is his savior defines who he is he's a loved child of god that can live life to its full potential temporal hope first corinthians chapter 9 verse 10 and 11 surely he says this for us doesn't he yes this was written for us because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. I, I, I thought, that's cool. I ran across that verse and I thought, yeah, that's hope. We, that's, that's a farmer's hope. He plows with hope and he threshes with hope. When he plows and plants in the fall, like right now, in which they're doing in a lot of places right now, is, is it sure that it's going to be there? No, no, not necessarily but you can do it by looking at what happened last year and the year before and, and what might happen. and So you can hope that it happens. And it's basically a hope built on pretty sound judgment. You also got to realize that it may not end up that way. That's temporal hope. That's what Paul's writing about here and he's using it to say this. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest with you he was asking the church to send some money to another church in another location where they're where they were out of money and they were broke and they're having a terrible time and he said if we were if we sowed spiritual things isn't it all it right that for us to hope i mean if we so yeah spiritual things, isn't it all right for us to hope that material things would come out of it yeah that's what he says so there's there's a hope there in Philippians 2.19, I thought this was really key. He is talking here to the Philippians, and he says, I hope, he's writing to them, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. What do you see in that? What, what, what's there? He has plans. He, he, he's worked out. He's worked out a schedule probably and how this is going to happen and he hopes to send timothy but he says what what's it saying i hope in the lord jesus i hope in the lord jesus another portion of scripture somewhere says you know don't don't say you're going to go this town that time now always say if the lord wills and and that's the point of always recognizing the sovereignty of god in your life you can have goals. You can have wonderful goals. You, you can have hope. You can, you can plant based on really good data. But it might not turn out. There's a sovereign God who brings rain and wind and snow and heat, earthquakes and famine. There's a sovereign God your plans may not work out, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't hope for it. The question I put there is: Are you attaching if the Lord wills to your hopes and dreams? We can get ahead of Him. We can want something so bad that we just say, "Lord, I'm okay. I just I don't know what You got for me, but this is, I want this so bad. I'm I'm gonna plow ahead with it." You can. God is a sovereign God. And He loves us dearly. And He has, He wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to have great praise for Him and great joy in Him. And He blesses us with many blessings, pours down many blessings on us. But I think we always should attach, if the Lord wills, to our hopes and dreams. Sure hope. The hope of salvation is certain, but not yet fully realized. Hebrews 6, 18 and 19 says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope, an anchor of for our soul, firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. We have this hope, and those Jews knew what he was talking about. They had a temple, and behind that, behind that curtain, they were not allowed—just the priests, just the high priest. But now, in Christ Jesus, our high priest, we could go right into the very presence of God, because he has paid the debt for our sin. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It, enter, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. 1 Peter 1.3, Praise be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. <laughs> a living hope. In Romans 4.18, He's talking about Abraham there and He says in one translation, it's it's hope against hope in the niv it says against all hope abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him so shall your offspring be god's promises are a sure hope. romans 5 1 and 2 therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with god through the lord jesus christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. But you notice what is in front of all those things, the word hope, the word hope. Now, I want you to understand this, because Romans 8.24 Get, there, there's a study there. You can go into Romans 8:24 and I, I just put one verse down, but you can take this sheet that I've given you and look at it during the week if you'd like, but it says in Romans 8:24, "For in this hope we were saved." But then it says, "But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what it, they already have? Young Christian, Christianity is a life based on faith. It's based on hope. It's a sure hope because it rests on the very word of God and the character of God. So therefore, it's a sure hope. It will happen. But it hasn't happened yet. Our complete salvation is not here. We are not in heaven. We are not in the presence of God. That is to be done in the future. It is a hope. Now I say this because it grieves my heart when a person becomes a Christian and begins to grow and then falls into the trap of wanting God to continually show him a miracle. I will have more faith if I can see something supernatural. It grieves my heart when, when well, let, let, let me just give you the, an illustration. Let's say that you lose something, and you can't find it, and you pray to God to help you find it, and you find it, and then you say, oh, God is real, he showed me that. I found it well how about me I lost something I prayed to find it and I didn't find it so God's not as real to me someone has a disease and they pray for healing and God heals them and they say I can really trust God now because I saw his hand at work I saw his miracle and my my face is so strengthened Well, how about the person that has a disease and prays and is not healed? So by comparison, then, his faith should be weaker. If, If that's how faith is established, that's where faith is established, then the opposite ought to be true. But it's not. The, the Corinthian church, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and he says, I was hoping by now that you could have solid food, but I see now that you're still on the milk. And what he's talking about is there, there is a church that still is trying to base their faith and trust and love and dependency upon God on some sort of a manifestation of the Spirit of God or what they think is a manifestation of the Spirit of God they're still looking for that and Paul says no we move on from that the early church did not continue to live in the book of Acts the early church moved on from the book of Acts. By the time you get to Timothy, Paul is writing and telling in that book, I had to leave so-and-so behind because he's too sick. I had to send so-and-so to you because he almost died. Well, what's the deal? That's the same Paul that started out in the book of Acts with people getting healed just by his shadow or his handkerchief or whatever. No, God is moving the church from sight to faith. From sight to faith. And, and if we don't help our brothers and sisters get over that and move along to that, there's a life of ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. It's sad. Here's the question. Oh, well, let me, read that. let me read Romans chapter 15, 4 through 6. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Where's the hope come from? It comes from the Scriptures. It comes from the promises of God. Young person, it comes from Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Those things are absolutely true. God spoke the world into existence. I don't care who tries to tell us any differently. He loves us. He created us. He created us for a relationship with each other as husband and wives and children and family. He loves us so much that He sent His Son to forgive us. He has placed us into the family of God. How do we know those things? Because the Scripture tells us those things. And then... Through our experience, yes, we can say amen, amen to that. Because I see that that's worked out in my life. But it's not based on him having to continually do some miracle so that I can go on in my Christian walk. It's not on that. It's in trust in him. Our trust and our love for God ought to be based on two things. The Word of God... And the character of God dig into the scripture and know the character of God and you will trust him I ask this question have your faith roots penetrated through the shallow soil of experience into the deep rich soil of God's Word and character I hope it has I hope it has and I hope you can encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ that their roots go deep into the Word of God and deep into the character of God and not just their own experiences. There's a purifying hope, down to the last two. The road to righteousness, victory over sin. There's a purifying hope. I love this uh, passage right here. 1 John 3, 1-3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us? That we should be called the children of God? Are you kidding me? You little reprobate. you are going to be my child. You earn nothing to get into my family. In fact, if I just took you on your own merit, I wouldn't even want you around. but I, I love you and I'm gonna bring you into the family. I'm gonna I am even going to go so far as to say you can be, the Son's brother, Jesus Christ. The Son is going to say to the disciples, you're my friends. The Scripture is going to tell us that we're not only the child of God, but the Spirit of God is placed within us so that we're all in this family, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we have the Spirit in us and we're placed into this family of God. Listen to what this verse says. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God? And he says, and that is what we are. (laughs) I love that. That's NIV translates, and that's what we are. It's got an explanation point behind it. The reason the world does not know us is that they do not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. There you go. It's still in the future. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Right now I know I'm a son and not real good son. But one day I'm going to be a perfect son. And then he says, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. A great motivation to throw off sin. The great motivation right now, this time of year, I'll give you a challenge. There's something in your life that you just it's just not pleasing to God. And you say, you know what? I'm your child. You've given me the Holy Spirit. God help me to throw that off because it's not becoming to a child of God. It just doesn't fit. Lying doesn't fit. Bitterness doesn't fit. Jealousy doesn't fit. Immorality doesn't fit. Doesn't fit. Help me, Lord, to throw it off. I've got a bitter, unforgiving spirit. Lord, that doesn't doesn't become a child of God. Help me with that, Lord. You've told me that your spirit gives me power, and so I'm trusting you for it. Absolutely. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. The question is, are you rejoicing every day that you have been adopted by and indwelt with the very person of God? (laughs) Wow. It is so good to have Daniel. And, And we could spend a lot of time just thinking and praying and thanking God about that. But we have been adopted into God's family. We need to be rejoicing in that. I trust that he will rejoice in that after he gets through some of the <clears throat> pains of adapting to a new family and a new culture. <laughs> he can rejoice in that as well. Then the last one, here we are, shared hope. The gift that keeps on giving. 1 Peter says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that is within you do this with gentleness and respect. I wrote in my notes, don't hoard hope. Individually we can, and as a community, we can. Don't hoard hope. One thing the church should not do is hoard its hope. We shouldn't be, I I thought about this, I don't know how, how, how well this will go across, but I was thinking about having a hat that said dope peddlers, and then with a D crossed out, and with an H put above it. I'm not a dope peddler, I'm a hope peddler. And, and we need, people need hope. People need hope. There's not only the hope of salvation, which many people need, but there's also the hope of righteousness that we need, that we're just talking about, the purifying hope. You can win the battle against sin. Yes, you can. You can have victory over it. We can come alongside you. We can pray for you. We can help you. Have victory over it. We need to be peddlers of hope, not hoarders of hope. Now we're going to sing about hope. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, for our our own hearts, for our own hope, Thank you so much for a God that loves us so much. Thank you for your character being so established in the Scriptures, your love, your justice, your mercy, your grace. Lord, thank you. We are thrilled. We are thrilled to be your children. We are thrilled to have the hope of eternal life. We are thrilled to acknowledge that one day we will be like you. You will come and we will be changed and be like you. Lord, that's a great hope. That is a great hope. We rejoice in it and we sing it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.